But what a privilege we have to hear from our Lord. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 24, we are in this Easter season and we are looking at the implications of the resurrection. Because that grave is empty, uh, because of the reality that Jesus lives, it has truly seismic effects. I mean, life-changing effects on everything inside our worlds and everything outside our worlds. And it's incredible to see that, that the story is so unbelievable that even the closest to Jesus said, it's like unbelievable. Can this actually be true. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you're a a longtime follower of Jesus saying, man, this is the greatest story ever. Or you're here thinking, ah, I'm not sure about this story. I got to tell you, uh, we find the spectrum of those beliefs all through scripture and may God come and speak to each one of us. All right. What is, what is your, your favorite YouTube video? I mean, YouTube amazes me, the things that you could find on there. Some of you are addicted to cat videos. I mean, just acknowledge that. You can't get enough of them. It's amazing, again, what you can find there. Uh, Recently, I had to uh, change out the toilet tank assembly thing or whatever is in a toilet, you know. And to me, it's like I got to gear myself up. Like, oh, my goodness, I got to buy the right stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to work. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to spend at least an entire Saturday for me to figure out how to like turn the water off. Right. And uh, but now on YouTube, you too can see how they can do step by step. I'm telling you, I got it done like 10 minutes. My family like, what's going on? You gave up. No, I did it. <laughs> YouTube. It's amazing. Well, of all the YouTube videos, is there anything better than the soldier surprise homecomings? You know, you know those, uh, I mean, it's incredible gut-wrenching. As a matter of fact, they actually put like the best of the best together. So you could leave here and go and see what's your favorite one. But it's always incredible. It's a soldier who's coming back and the family doesn't know, the loved ones don't know. And they're maybe at a football game or in the classroom or just at home. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes one of their loved ones. I mean, there they are. And they, they didn't see it coming. They didn't know it was going to happen. And they're just absolutely amazed. I mean, they're like, can I believe my eyes? I can't believe this. The, the joy, the emotions, the, the incredible shock of that reality. Well, can't believe their eyes. It's uh, uh, really how the disciples felt. Can you, can you imagine the way uh, a YouTube video would be if, if a family was given devastating news that they actually lost a loved one that was killed in the line of duty? And all of a sudden, it wasn't really right. Or all of a sudden, they're back. I mean, can you imagine that uh, homecoming? Well, Jesus is going to appear to his disciples after the crucifixion. And you got to know, they couldn't believe their eyes. You see, they witnessed that Jesus was killed in action. They witnessed that cross. They witnessed the reality that he was really dead. And when he shows up, they are basically responding like this is literally too good to be true. I mean, it's interesting. Scripture says that more than just rejoicing, they're terrified. They think they saw a ghost. Jesus had told them it was coming. I mean, Jesus was really clear that what was going to happen when they went to Jerusalem, that he would be arrested and, and delivered over to the authorities, that he would be crucified. But he was also equally clear that on the third day again, he would rise from the dead. But dead is dead is dead, right? And when, and when you see someone dead, when you see them alive, it's hard to understand. It's 
hard to believe. And even the disciples, even with the heads up, even with three years of hanging out and seeing what Jesus did with a few loaves of fish and a little bit of, of bread, to see him, what he, how, what he does on water, to see what he does with a friend of Lazarus, even all the stuff that they saw didn't prepare them for what their eyes were going to see. It says that when he appeared to them, even while they were seeing Jesus, they had doubt rising in their hearts. In their hearts, they were wondering, oh my goodness, can this be true? By the way, again, I don't know where you are in the spectrum, but I love the fact that God's word tells us that his closest associates, his disciples, even when they're standing face to face with Jesus, have doubts in their heart. And Jesus meets them right there. What we're going to see is this, is that seeing is not believing. We've heard it all the time, well, seeing is believing. And Jesus lived, I mean, some 2,000 years before us. I mean, this event happened a long time ago. And many of us will say, if I could only have been there and see it, well, then I would believe. Well, according to this, seeing is not believing. Because they did see. And yet, they still were struggling. They needed more. And the reality of Jesus' resurrection, the reality of Christianity is this. Is it's just not seeing to be believing. Jesus would have to interpret for them what was happening. He would have to say, okay, guys, it's really me. You can look, you can see, you can touch. It really is me. But he would also have to do more. He would have to interpret to them what was happening. He'd have to kind of grab them by the hand and lead them back to scripture, lead them back to God's story. He's not saying, hey, this is a new story. This is the old story. And he would have to open up their minds, interpret for them what was really happening. It wasn't enough to see and believe. They had to see Jesus in the story. They had to see him in, in what was promised. But there's more. Jesus would have to empower them to see and believe, to really get it. Jesus himself would have to open up their minds. Jesus himself would have to empower them so that they could see the reality that he is alive. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke again, 24. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be listed for you in your bulletin. They'll also be on the screen behind me. This morning, we're going to pick up the story right where we left off last week. If you remember last week on this road to Emmaus, uh, we found uh, a disciple of Jesus named Clopas and another unnamed one. Maybe it was his wife. Maybe it was another disciple. And what they were doing is these two, they had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah. They had hoped that this was the long-awaited Messiah. And what they were doing on this road to Emmaus, they were walking away from that hope. They were walking away from that story. They were walking away from Jerusalem. They were literally walking away from Jesus because their hopes had been crashed on a Roman cross. They died when Jesus died. And Jesus comes alongside them and he talks to them. And he talks to them and he, he, he opens up their minds. He opens up scripture and he proves to them that the story all along said that the Christ must suffer. And he was talking about these things. Their hearts were like on fire, realizing, oh my goodness, this is the Jesus that, that we had hoped for. They, they thought he was a mighty prophet in word and deed. He was so much more. Matter of fact, he sat down and he broke bread with them and he would eat with them and they, they would recognize him. And it was, it was such a big event for them that forget Emmaus, forget resting. They turned around and they went right back to Jerusalem, right back to find the disciples. You got to tell them the story. So this is where we pick up the story. This is where we pick it up uh, with the disciples, where these two disciples are going to come back. 
hear the word of the Lord. Let me remind you that God didn't give us his word to entertain us. He gave us his word to transform us and to make us more like his son. Hearing the word of the Lord in Luke 24, beginning in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, again, uh, those two who were on the road to Emmaus talking with the disciples, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened. I mean, really, they were like scared to death and they thought they saw a ghost. They thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? This is like internal mixing of all that is inside of you. Why are you stirring? Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. The Greek here is very emphatic. He's saying, it's me, fellas. It's me. It really is me. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved, probably the best translation of this is while they were still disbelieving. For joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Let's just hit pause here. You think Jesus was hungry? What do you think he's doing? I mean, again, he's showing them, guys, I'm not a ghost. Ghosts don't have broiled fish, fresh and blood. This is, this is a resurrected body. And the cool thing is he's showing us the future. Scripture says when we see him, we'll be like him and we'll have a resurrected body too. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, beginning in Genesis and the prophets and the Psalms. I love the fact that that's included in the road to Emmaus. It didn't mention the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand scripture. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. And on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. But while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Now, Father God, we thank you that you've given us more than a fairy tale and a ghost story. That your story of your son is a resurrected a resurrection story. And yet the story, even to those who were seeing Jesus, was hard to believe. So God, would you come like you did with that, those disciples? Would you come, would you open up our minds to understand your word? Would you come and would you speak to us? Would you empower us from on high with the Holy Spirit to come and be with your people? 
That God, wherever we find ourselves on the spectrum of knowing this story and believing it, God, would you reveal the reality of, of Jesus as a living, resurrected Savior? And God, would you be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me? God, I just confess, I, I don't have the words or the ability to, to tell the story as it should be told. This is your story. Would you please tell it? And would you give us ears to hear your voice? And would you give us minds to understand your word? And would you give us hearts to embrace your truth and your love? And would you empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name? The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, Jesus? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along with me, you'll find an outline in your bulletin. If you want to follow along? In education, they say that there are three R's of education. The three basic R's. Who knows the three R's? They are reading, writing, and arithmetic. Clearly one of the R's is not spelling, right? I mean... The three R's of education, what's the matter with these folks? Reading, writing, and arithmetic, he got one out of three. But I think we know what they were trying to say. Well, with Christianity, there are three R's for Christianity to work in Orthodox Christianity. These three R's really are R's. The three R's of Christianity are this, resurrection, revelation, and repentance. Upon these three, Christianity hinges. Upon these three, Christianity rises and falls. These three are necessary for this to be valid according to what God claims that it is valid. The first one is resurrection. Resurrection. Without a resurrection, without Jesus' bodily resurrection, the story of Jesus in Christianity is dead and buried in the grave. I love what Paul does. You see, the, the the Bible itself will point out the necessity of this. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, there's no resurrection from the dead. And if there's no resurrection from the dead, then we all are still in our sins. The sacrifice of Jesus didn't work. And if we're still in our sins, all this is futile. The Bible says this, if there isn't resurrection of the dead, that we of all people are the most to be pitied it's a beautiful Sunday. What are we doing here? Let's go and enjoy it. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, of all people, we're to be pitied. We're fools. If we believe in a Savior who's not resurrected, it's all vain. Without a resurrection, Christianity has no hope. Oh, well, yeah, maybe it has moral teaching. Without a resurrection, you think, well, Jesus, man, he was an awesome, I mean, what a great teacher. But for Christianity to be what Christianity claims it to be, what the Bible says that it is, we need a physical savior, one fully man, fully God, who rose from the dead. Everything of Christianity hinges on resurrection. But also we need revelation. It's amazing to us that the physical evidence of Jesus's resurrection wasn't enough for the disciples to get the story. Did you hear that? Physical evidence, tangible evidence, touching Jesus wasn't enough for seeing and believing. They needed more. They needed revelation. They needed to understand the story. And so Jesus would tell them, he would tell them again, 
uh, of that what he had told him that he would raise from the dead. And Jesus would, would bring that revelation and he would start with Moses and he would unfold the story of God. And he would go through Moses and through the prophets and through the Psalms. He said, it's all about me. And it's all about me as the sacrificial lamb dying for your sins. It's all about absorbing the wrath of holy God for sinners like you and me. It's all about paying the price. But it's all about resurrecting from the dead so that we can have a living hope. That we know that we can be forgiven and free. But we need that revelation. (laughs) Even the disciples, uh, even after spending three years with them, needed to go back to scripture and say, Oh, we have resurrection. We have this revelation of the story. And you also need repentance. The way we respond to this story is by repenting and believing. Repenting of our sins, repenting of our methods of trying to be self-justifying, repenting of trying to be good enough, repenting of trying to be moral enough, repenting of trying to be religious enough to earn holy God's favor. Repenting of the things that we do in word, thought, and deed that are offensive to a holy God or the things that we don't do that he's asked us to do. Because why? Jesus' life was sufficient for us. His sacrifice was sufficient for us. And all that God requires of us, he's provided for us in Christ Jesus. And what does he say to us? Repent and believe the one who is the way, the one who is the truth, the one who is the life. Know the fact that the resurrection is true. Touch his hand. See See the scars, the reality. See him in revelation of scripture and repent and believe. Let's see how this folds out in this thing. The first thing is that seeing is not believing. And I love the fact that the, the passage tells us that disciples were still disbelieving even when they were standing in the presence of Jesus. Like, man, this has got to be a ghost story or something. I mean, this is, this, this is unbelievable. They couldn't believe their eyes. This must be something different. But Jesus made sure that they knew it was him, not just a ghost, not just a resuscitated body, a resurrected body. Again, the Greek is very emphatic. It is I myself. Touch me. See me. See my hands. See my feet. Spirits don't have flesh and bones. And there's, there's something about Jesus that he's, he's different than he ever was before. And yet he's the same as he was before. And this is a resurrected body. And I can't explain it beyond scripture. I know that he was able to be seen and touched. I know he was able to eat broiled fish and bread. I know that it was Jesus, and yet there was something different about him. Uh, he, he did all this before their eyes. But again, the reality is this. You cannot properly see Jesus apart from the resurrection. You can't know him. You can't know him as scripture is revealed. You cannot see Jesus properly apart from the resurrection. Let's go back to those two on the road to Emmaus. They thought highly of Jesus. They thought he was the one. They thought that he was the promised Messiah. They put their hopes in him. And here's what they said about him. That Jesus, man, he is a mighty prophet. He's a mighty prophet in word and deed. I mean, his words are like incredible. And the things he does, his deeds are astounding. They had a high view of him. They thought that he was it, but they had a wrong view of him. It wasn't enough. Jesus didn't come to be a good storyteller. He didn't come just to do some crazy things with bread and fish. He didn't come to just make great wine out of some water. He came to be a savior. He came to die for sinners like us and and be resurrected. And you can't know Christianity rightly without a resurrection. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the body of evidence that Christianity is true. It's him. It's his resurrected body. 
The Romans were afraid of him so much they wanted to crucify him. They were so afraid of him, they put a guard by the tomb because they realized that there was some crazy story about his resurrection. And you know, the strongest government in the world, all they had to do was produce a body that was Jesus's and the whole story's over. It's all done. Our belief is in vain. If Jesus is in the tomb, we are dead and separated from God. And the body of evidence of Christianity is a resurrected body. You know, there's many who come here from different traditions, and I love that about Orangewood. And, and many come from a tradition that, that will show a crucifix, and it shows continually that Jesus is still on the cross. And I think it's important for all of us to see Jesus on a cross. We, we, we got to realize that that cross was real. We, we have to realize that, that really, that may I preach nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. That the reality that he didn't come as a moral teacher. He came as a, a savior of the world. And the only way he could do that is lay his life down for his friends like you and me. We, we got to see Jesus on the cross. And I know you see him rightly when it chokes you up and you realize, man, he's there for me. But many traditions, like our traditions, don't have a cross with him on it because he's not there still. I mean, he, he's resurrected. He's alive. And yes, he paid the price, but we rejoice in the fact that he's no longer there. We got to see him properly, not just as a savior nailed to a cross, but a savior who's alive and well is a resurrected savior. You see, without the resurrection, we're all toast. It's all done. But seeing also needs interpreting. Seeing is not necessarily believing. Seeing needs interpreting. And you can't see Jesus properly, not just without the resurrection. You can't see Jesus properly without revelation. And what is revelation? Well, it's, it's hearing scripture. It's knowing scripture. In this passage, it says that Jesus spoke to them. He spoke. He, he revealed to them. He interpreted to them. Hey, guys, remember I told you? I told you that in three days I was going to be resurrected. Here I am. Remember, I told you that this would happen, but it was more than just his words that he called to remember. He says, let's, let's, let's go back to the story, guys. Let's go back to the beginning in Genesis and all the promises of God, and that seed that will come, that savior that will come, that king that will come, that prophet that will come, that priest that will come. They all find connection to me and reality to me. All the promises of God find their yes in me. And he opened up God's word, even the Psalms. Again, their hearts were on fire, but he had to interpret for them. He did it in a way that he opened their minds to understand scripture. He opened their minds that he could see, they could see Jesus throughout the story. You see, you don't see Jesus properly apart from scripture. It's not good enough. You say, hey, I got this relationship with Jesus. I really don't need God's word. No, no, you'll never get it right until you have God's word. It wasn't enough just to see a resurrected savior. They have to see that he was the promised Messiah, the one who would suffer and die and rise and the one who would rise from the third day. And so we could proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations. Ray Charles was born with his sight. He was born with his sight. And they say at three years old, he really started moving toward music and not just playing music, but just you know, creating music, that Ray Charles was born a musician. I mean, he was born, if you know him, uh, to write and, and perform music. But when Ray Charles was seven, due to juvenile glaucoma, he lost his sight. But you got to hear what Ray Charles says about losing his sight. He says, but being visually impaired never hindered my career in any way. 
As a matter of fact, he would put Braille stickers on his Yamaha keyboard that is now on display in the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. And in 1994, Ray Charles received the Helen Keller Personal Achievement Award for the American Foundation of the Blind because he did not let his disability limit him in any way. And however, he would say, but if I lost my hearing, that would have been tragic. The inability to listen to music would have tragically impaired him. He actually later in life went through an illness where it affected his hearing for a while. And that led... Ray Charles, blind Ray Charles, to fund research for cochlear implants and other electronic devices that would help others listen. He would anonymously fund many, many things to make sure that people could hear. Because as the ability to see, I don't need, but the ability to hear, I need. And what we think about this is that God has called us to walk not by, by sight, but by faith. And to walk by faith, that, that the reality that Jesus is, but we need desperately to hear his voice. We can't live without interpretation. We can't live without scripture. We can't live without hearing that he is the one. That's what scripture has said to us. It's not by sight that we see, it's by faith. And faith comes from hearing the word of God. Listen to Romans ten fourteen. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? God has made you to know and love him. And he's made you to do that through revelation of his word and the preaching of his word. It's important that we put ourselves in the authority of the preaching of God's word. Because God does something amazing where two or more are gathered and his word is opened up. Even through weak sinners like me. And I don't say that with false humility. It's humbling to stand before you and open up God's word. And when I pray desperately that God will speak through me, I'm, I'm desperately praying. But I know this about us is that we need to hear the word proclaimed. We need to be people that understand the word and that have that revelation explained to us. And it's not enough that we just have that privately. We should have a private study of God's word. We should be people in God's word. We should also be people gathered around God's word. And this is an oasis in the desert. We're peculiar people that God has called to himself. And he's gathered us to Sabbath together and rest together. And he's gathered us so God will come and speak to us each and every week. And we need to hear the revelation and the empowering and the interpreting of God's word. So seeing is not believing. It needs interpreting. But also seeing needs empowering. And you cannot see him properly apart from the power, empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's promised that one will come from on high. The Holy Spirit will come. And what we're saying is this, is that salvation is truly of the Lord, that no one else can boast. Let me, let me say it more clearly. You know, if you love Jesus and you see him resurrected Savior and you see him in scripture, do you know how much credit you could take for that? None. Scripture says that all of us by nature are children of wrath. All of us, this sin condition that we have, it's affected us. So much so that we are spiritually dead. So much so that that the God of this age in 2 Corinthians 4 has blinded us so we cannot see God rightly. And the only way for us to, to see him is not that he physically stands here. It's not enough. It's not enough that we see him in Scripture. It's not enough. The only way that we can see Jesus rightly is empowered by the Holy Spirit that gives us eyes to see, that removes hearts of stone, gives us hearts of flesh. Jesus did it in this text by opening up their mind to Scripture. It wasn't that they were that smart. They weren't. It wasn't they finally got it. They didn't. 
They had physical evidence. They had scriptural proof. They had empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And that is how you see Jesus properly. You see, seeing is not believing. It's not enough. Scriptures are not enough. We need a resurrected Savior. We need the promises of Christ and Scripture, illumination. And we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And you know you have those things by God's grace and you see him properly is when you repent. Because you can't see Jesus properly apart from repentance. Repentance is the key throughout the gospel story. The gospel story is that Jesus came so that we could be forgiven of our sins in the name of Jesus to all nations. But we have to look at this for a minute. Repenting and believing honestly is repulsive to us. Because in our flesh, we want to be self-justifying people. In our flesh, we want to be good enough on our own. In, in and of ourselves, we want to be able to stand before holy God on our own merits. But that's not the gospel. I, I really believe if Jesus came back from the dead and says, hey guys, I found a way. I found a way to life. Now here's what you're going to have to do. You have to work really hard and you have to be really moral and you have to be really religious and you have to really give everything you have. And many of us will say, yeah, I got a plan. I got to work really hard at it. He says, no, it's none of it. I'm good enough. Here's what you got to do. You got to know you're broken. You got to know you're not good enough. You got to know you failed. You got to know that you'll never make it apart from grace. You got to know that you desperately need a savior. You got to know that you need to repent of every word, thought, and deed you've ever done. You, you're just not good enough. But he is. And you got to repent and believe, not just once, your whole life. Oh, we'll be saved once if we come to him and we ask him into our life and he'll never let us go. But as Christians, our life are continually repenting and believing. That's the way of the cross. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way we are to live our lives. Repentance and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. That's the gospel story. Repent and believe. What does it do? It leads us to worship and witness. Fear is replaced by great joy. Doubting hearts become worshiping hearts. And we become witnesses to all that Jesus has done. All right, so what's your favorite YouTube story? Your favorite cats? Crazy things? I watch hockey fights. Got issues, right? <laughs> Love hockey. You know, you start like oh, hockey fights. You know, they, they, they'll, they'll have goalies fighting goalies. They'll have branch balls. I mean, I grew up with that. that anybody watch Slapshot, that's what I cut my teeth on. That's hockey, great sport. And they beat the stew out of each other. But you know, the thing about YouTube is you can see a lot of different things, but the story's never about me. It's always a story that I'm watching that's entertaining me about somebody else. You see, Christianity when you say that it's not just a story there, but it's a story here, that this is my story. By God's grace, I see Jesus rightly. He is a resurrected, conquering death savior, flesh and bones living so that I can live. See him rightly in Revelation that I could open up God's word and by God's empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I could see that it's all about Jesus. It's my story that he leads me to repent. Repent and believe. Have you seen Jesus rightly? Is he just like the guys thought on the road to Emmaus at one time, a mighty prophet in word and deed? I'm telling you, unless you see him as scripture reveals him, as he reveals himself here, as that resurrected saviors revealed in scripture, 
and come to him repenting and believing you haven't seen him rightly. But that's what he offers to all of us. This incredible, gracious gift to repent and believe. And how do we know? How do we know if we've done it? Well, our fears are replaced by worship. At the end of the story, they went from great fear to great joy and doubting hearts became worshiping hearts. Even think of Thomas. Thomas, I <laughs> love Thomas. Thomas, who, who is, wasn't there when Jesus first appeared to the disciples and said, listen, guys, I'm not even gonna come close to believing this crazy story until I myself put my finger in, into those nail prints. I'm not gonna believe it. And Jesus graciously shows up and he, he's like, okay, Thomas, now's, t- now's go time. Let's go. This is me. And we started realizing, what does he say? He says of Jesus, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God, the one who I will worship, the one who made me and the one who remakes me in Christ Jesus. If you come to the place in the story where Jesus is your Lord and your God, for those of us that are his, he says, now you are my witnesses. That Greek word that we get, the word witness is a word martyr. Die to yourself to live to him. Tell the story. Tell the story through your life, through your context where you live. That this is not a ghost story. This is not a ghost story. This is a resurrection story. This is a story of living hope because Jesus lives. We live too. Because that tomb was empty, we're forgiven and free. And he wants the world to know the reality of that through those of us who says, man, the three R's, resurrection, revelation, and repentance and believe. Let us pray. Now, Father God, thank you for giving us everything that we need to believe. Physical proof in a resurrected Savior, scriptural proof and revelation, and Holy Spirit empowerment for us to be able to repent and believe. Salvation is truly of the Lord from start to finish. God, I pray for the one who knows Jesus, maybe holds him in high esteem, but doesn't see him rightly. May today be the day they see the importance of the reality of seeing him as he truly is and repenting and believing and finding salvation. God, for those of us, the many of us in this room that by your grace, see him as a resurrected savior, know that he's been revealed in scripture and have repented and believed God, we are your witnesses. May we worship you with our whole life. And God, may we be a witness to the fact that Jesus lives. And because he lives, we live too. And the promises are true that when we see him, we will be like him. Oh God, we look forward and long for that day. But until that day comes, we thank you for holding us close and reminding us the good news of this story. We pray in Christ's name, amen.